Welcome to From the Rookery End. My name's John. With me is Mike. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> three hoes in ho, ho, ho. Three points in the bag in Santa's sack. Come on, bring it on. Uh, Jason. <laughs> Merry Christmas indeed. And DCW. <laughs> Hello. And, well, you probably know this already because it was beamed around the world, but Watford have beaten Manchester United to... Nil. Days before Christmas. It's as, a, as a proper reporter would say, Watford have deservedly beaten Manchester oh, United absolutely. here at Vicarage Road. Two guys. I'm not saying you're not a proper reporter. <laughs> I'm not a reporter. Uh, no, but yeah, right, mate. It was deserved. It was, uh, it was a great performance from, from the team. We'll talk about the individuals in a minute. But it, it, it felt like... Well, did it feel like a step on from last week? Or was it the fact that we weren't playing Liverpool? Could you see improvements, maybe mentally? That Liverpool game was... was it was, had to be a catalyst for something because we went and we played really, really well, but we came away with no points, no goals. So it had to be a catalyst for something. And I, did, I think we did see them kick on from that. What I thought in the first half, they, I always get carried away after a game. I'm really, I'm really happy. I, I actually got a little bit emotional when that second one went in. It sort of <laughs> wave just swept over me of, of joy. Um, but, so I think the, the first half performance was good, very, very solid. I thought we had the better of the chances, but again, I thought we just don't look like scoring in that first half. I thought we just felt a little bit like we've forgotten how to do it. I think there was that that lack of confidence, that lack of sort of final ball, and it's just so we're getting these great positions yet again. Manchester United are on the rack, and we're we're not making the most of it. So at half-time, I was positive, but there was a little bit in me thinking, this is going to be it, isn't it? This is the story of the season right here. I think in the, um, you talk about not knowing how to score, I thought the first half was very different to last week in that we didn't, actually create anything of note we, we didn't cause them any problems whilst we were positive we weren't actually creating chances to test a keeper and and yes yeah, so I can understand whilst it was a decent first half performance why you were sort of worried that it, it wasn't going to go away this afternoon and then but I think what we had this afternoon which has been missing pretty much all season huge slice of luck obviously the the De Gea mistake I think we probably deserve to be ahead in the game I think we were the better side throughout I thought Manchester United were pretty poor and Watford did a good job of, uh, of sort of carving them, carving them apart and, but we needed that bit of luck we didn't we, we, we did look like we were struggling to score and then it came and then of course straight away straight away Watford surging forward in the very next attack a crazy challenge from Wan-Bissaka that's exactly the sort of penalty that we've seen Watford give away in the last decade of, of doing from the rookery and this time it was Wan-Bissaka diving in on our player going forward driving into the box with that bit of here comes that word confidence and boom um, VAR checked it was never in doubt absolute stonewall penalty Troy straight down the middle and a bit of luck a bit of confidence and that the whole world seems like a better place doesn't it it was by, by no means the complete performance I don't think there's still work to be done and I think there's still there it is there it is we've just beaten Manchester United I was waiting for you to say something like well it was a fluke goal and a penalty we didn't really score that really good goal did we but there he is we forced those goals you absolutely will not get me being negative we completely earned those goals um and but yeah, I think there was there are elements that still need a, a lot of work. But but I think from front to back today, I'm just absolutely delighted. It's just such a weight off off my shoulders. I'm sure you guys feel feel exactly the same. Just to get that home win, something we haven't had all season, something we haven't had for so long, and to do it against Manchester United, we had to do it today. We had to do it today. Liverpool had to had to mean something if we got no points. And it was just talking to a few people afterwards, usually Manchester United at home, it still would be a free hit. You still say, well, we would if we can get something out of this, great. And it's easy to say it sort of so boldly with hindsight. But I think we had to win today, really, to get this get this season going. Another week by going into Christmas without a home win, without three points, without any goals, would have been pretty difficult. 
Now we travel away to Sheffield United. They won't be fancying it. And then we've got Villa to come here. Two incredibly difficult games, of course. But there's hope, there's belief. And you could feel it coursing through not just the players' veins, but the fans' veins, everyone. You could just feel it almost like, like coming to life, almost like the resurrection. It's Christmas, <laughs> not Easter. But really, really thrilled, really, really pleased. I think the players deserve it for, for some decent performances in the last three, four weeks or so. Um, some uh, bold substitutions from Nigel Pearce had managed the game really well. Manchester United were there for the taking, it has to be said. I don't, it's a, again, you, you find yourself asking yourself, when did Manchester United become this t- team that can't um, string two passes together? But, but there they were. We had, to, we had to put our foot on their neck today. All too often this season, Watford have had the opportunity against teams to, to get three points. They've done it today. Brilliant. Who was doing that neck squashing though? DW, there was, you know, Troy Dini on the Tanai was announced as man of the match. He scored the penalty. Uh, he did his Troy Dini thing on that pitch. But it actually was quite a, a hard call to decide who was the man of the match. Who, who, who was in the mix for you? The midfield three were, were, were superb. I think Capu, Decore, Will Hughes, I think he, he all of a sudden Will's gone from a player that managers have kind of maybe not trusted to be in the middle of the pitch and have had him sort of in the left coming inside, but Pearson has spotted him and said, right, I want this man right in the heart of the action. And he's sort of playing a bit deeper, he's scurrying around, he was winning challenges, he's, he's neat and tidy when he gets the ball. Capu treading a bit of a tightrope at times <laughs> for that from that early booking. I thought he might get sent off. That's probably why he came off. I think it was a smart substitution from Pearson. But the, and you know Decore, they were United are a team that try and play it out from the back, and and those three didn't let them have the time on the ball more often than not. Uh, but but across the whole team as well. I mean, you know you've got Kiko playing at left back. You know, no left foot whatsoever, <laughs> but you know, doing a doing a fine job. The defence were great. They were th- they were throwing themselves into the challenges, into the headers. It's it's it is obvious to see that there has been a change in mentality in that squad. Whether that's directly from Nigel Pearson or or, or any other outside influences or whatever. Whether it's Troy coming back and you know them, them actually realizing we really are in a bad situation here. We you know enough is enough. Where they were not running and not making the challenges, not necessarily putting in the effort early part of the season. You know, it was fi- those fine margins. It's that extra 5-10% that means you beat Manchester United you know, and means you, you know, when you don't put it in, you end up losing to Brighton on the first day of the season. You know, it's clear that they're all up for it. And that belief flowed back through the squad. As soon as we got that goal, as Mike said, as soon as we got that slice of luck, everyone was up for it. And everyone looked dangerous and looked confident. You know, Jerry. Again, from some frustrating moments from him, but he was causing them problems. He created a few chances, created a few opportunities. You know, Saar, you know, a month ago, we were, we were talking in our WhatsApp group, weren't we, about Saar being another busted flush that wasn't going to, mm. another transfer that wasn't going to come good. Now, he, now he's brilliant. You know, he looks great. So uh, there's been a change in mentality and, you know, that, that win is so, so important. It has to be a platform to build for the rest of the season. It has to be. You've got to make it count. If you go and lose the next three games, you're back to square one. If Sheffield United away will be tough. They are really, really good. But actually, they're better away from home than they are at home. Their away record's exceptional. At home, they've had a few, you know, ups and downs. Uh, you know, the Villa game is absolutely huge. They're a team that is struggling as well. They're down there with us. And, and But, uh, you know, Mike said about free hits. There aren't any free hits left. We've got to, we've got to fight and try and win every single game, try and get every point that we can. Because... We are still quite a way off from safety. <laughs> yeah, we won a game, but we're still bottom of the league. Let's let's uh, again let's keep the perspective there, Jason. For you, what were the, the sort of shining lights, the the, the positives take away from it, and, and and can you help Mike with his uh, help to to find out what the last few things we need to sort out? I mean, what's what's not to like about that? I, I DCW said about the, the midfield three. 
I'm loving seeing Will Hughes playing as a box-to-box midfielder. He seems to have that slightly sort of freer role than Etienne Capu has, and which means he's he's allowed to move forward. And that and that is something we're doing as a team as well. We are happy to sit deep, keep a solid shape, but when we break, we break. We are happy to commit men forward on the on the counter attack without affecting the defence. And and that just didn't happen. Or hasn't happened for the last few months under under the previous manager. So to see Hughes being able to run around like a little terrier, you know, sort of biting the ankles of all the, all the of all the danger men yeah. in the opposition midfield, and then using his that, that sort of low centre of gravity he's got, sort of to and his agility and his twinkle toes to to be able to try and create things in attack. Oh, oh yeah, all of a sudden <coughs> Hughes is, is looking great. Excuse my voice. I've had a bit of a cold all week and I've been singing quite a lot in the uh, in the rookery in this afternoon, so it's all sort of all sort of coming to a head. Our patterns of play, our transition are, are a lot quicker, and then the substitutions. DCW and I were sort of talking about this earlier. There's no way, and I'm not turning this into Kike bashing. There's no way Kike would have uh, taken off Etienne Capu and bought on Roberto Pereira if we were winning a game. Yeah. The fact that he has the confidence. Yeah of his team that he's looked after for a couple of weeks he's got the confidence to bring Pereira on bring Hughes back to sort of play that, that deeper role and not worry that he's bringing on a, a more attacking player and it says he trusts his team to do the job and they did it they, they sort of repaid that faith it's, it's wonderful to see clever substitutions as well because both of them on that tightrope both yellow cards which I assume is why, why they were withdrawn because that was the only way United were going to get back into it was us shooting ourselves in the foot, really. Again, easy for us to say. My heart was in my mouth the last 10 minutes, as I'm sure it was for everyone else. But just we, just removing those barriers to victory was what he did. And it was, yeah, it was just great to, like you say, it's like, oh, God, I was saying, sit, the chap sitting next to me was uh, was working for Man United. I was up in the, in the press box today and I said, well, that'll leave a hole. That'll leave quite a big hole. There's no Kapoor and no Decore there. But the shape was was absolutely fantastic. And I think the, they had Pogba picked a, a beautiful ball that, that undid everyone. That would have done and undid any defence in, in the league probably. But largely speaking, you thought, actually, we're going to see this through. This is solid. Yeah, it was just lovely to see that. And we've, we've all said it for ages. This is a good squad. It hasn't sort of changed overnight they had talent hasn't um sort of fallen out of their feet while they've been asleep or something this is there's talent there from front to back and and, and jay said there just the transition which is that is where it's been missing for me that you sort of looked all right defensively but then what after that until the past month or so nothing that's what the answer is it's turgid it was slow it was ponderous it was plodding whereas now there's that and i think will hughes deserves a lot of a lot of credit his resurgence has almost entirely coincided with watford's uh, upturn in form i think someone who doesn't get mentioned a lot who we who we miss is tom cleverly a sort of a bit of an unsung hero for watford and i think will hughes is proving himself i would say tom cleverly plus with his last with his couple of performances you know snarling nasty when he has to be and then quick fit as as, as jay said quick quick footed and getting the ball away and beating a man he's been absolutely absolutely superb and that for watford is so important that to keep it moving through that midfield however break the ball break the play up get it forward get the ball from your defenders move it forward and that's what's been missing for a long time at Watford this it still is- needs a bit of work there are still definitely chances where in the mid first half I didn't think we were quite quite on it but that that's it was it was there and it's going to be there and it's going to keep developing yeah definitely There's, you can see it it's just 
they've had bad luck, they've had injuries, they've had stuff go against them, and they've been devoid of confidence. And you, it's difficult when it's like that. If you have a bad day at work, it feels bad. And they've been having plenty of bad days at work. So it's, it's not a, like a massive revelation. It's like, oh, all, we've got this amazing team. But my, my, my moment was, was Liverpool away. They were playing little triangles, they were moving the ball around the corner, and we were getting into space. And it's like, there you are, lads. There's the team. There's, that's what we can do. There's the Watford football that we can play, and it was back again today. I thought it was it was harder, no, less space. I think against than they did against Liverpool, but yeah, from front to back, I think the defence were terrific again. Craig Cathcart, cool, calm, and collected. Mariapa did everything that was asked of him. Cabaselli is quickly turning into um, a really, really regular, high-end performer. I think for us, he just looks, he, you know, he, he makes a nuisance of himself. He's taught the ref, he like, but he's he's, he's consummate. He's professional. He's elegant. Um, and he's looking, he's looking really good. Foster did what he had to do well. No complaints at all. And, you know, when you beat Manchester United 2-0 at home, it'd be churlish to, to pick any holes in it. Wouldn't it? They Wouldn't have, it? They have to, as, uh, as Dave said, it means nothing if we don't go out and, and build on it now. These are real baby steps. And I don't think we need to be tricked into looking at the gap between us and, and Southampton because if we get to 38, 39, 40 points, if we get there, the chances are we'll be OK. So forget everyone else. Yeah. Let's focus on our team, focus on our boys. They've proved they can do it today. The crowd have proved they could do it today. The guy behind me, next to me, was tapping away, giving the BBC updates, describing the atmosphere as electric. And it was. You, 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 know, you felt we were on top of them. For the first half, all you could hear was United fans. Second half, it was the rookery and, you know, the whole ground came to life. The players responded, the fans responded, and we've all got a massive spring in our step. The smile's absolutely everywhere. We're breaking up for Christmas with a win against, you know, one of the most famous teams in the world, and it was deserved. Go and build on it now. L- loads to enjoy, and let's hope there's more to enjoy. We're, we're, we've got, we, uh, what's it, Mount Survival, this hiring <laughs> interview. We've set up base camp. We're just about to eat our Kendall mint cake and take our first steps. We're on our way. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's early was parking, his son called Arlo, and this is our Christmas Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Arlo, on the way to the game today, you said something would be the best Christmas present. What was it? For Watford to win. And what happened? They won. So did Christmas come early? Yes. You happy? Yes. We got our early Christmas present with Watford's win. We saw João Pedro come out on the pitch today for, for Watford, the exciting new, new signing for the Hornets. If you could get him a Christmas present, what would you get him? I would get him a tour around every football stadium on earth. Oh, really? Cool. Why? Why would you do that? See, like, how different it's like to be in the stadium. Like, that's quite big. Oh, so it's for him to get used to sort of different different stadiums? Yeah. So he feels comfortable? Have to be there. Oh, so you'd, you'd take him on a tour? Mm-hmm. Arlo, thanks so much for joining us. Have a happy Christmas. See you next time. It's time for the Ghost of Christmas Past, as in we recorded this before the game. Joined now by Colin. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, and DCW. Hello. Uh, and Mike's still here. Hi. So we're in the midst of our vote, our search for player of the decade. They've got the final 16 and we drew them into matches. Uh, and the next round will consist of Jonathan Hogg against Abdullah Dekore, Roberto Pereira, Bobby P against Fernando Forestieri. Oh, Akitjanya against Marco Cassetti. Igalo against Vidra, a strikers uh, match that one. Doily against 
Danny Graham, uh, Alman Abdi against Gabrielle Angela, Etienne Capu against Aurelio Gomez, and finishing up with John Eustace against Adrian Mariapa. Now, Mike, was anybody who, who you were surprised that didn't get through? Poor old Nairon Nosworthy. <laughs> Fell up the first hurdle. I thought he might get a few uh, votes from the sort of uh, cult supporters. Surprised that Honobas didn't get through. I thought in the last couple of years he's sort of taken, speaking of sort of cult performers, I think he's taken on that mantle, hasn't he? We've, we've certainly, uh, not to everyone's taste, we've sort of uh, championed his yellow, attempts at the uh, yellow card record for the season and a few people there uh, found that a bit distasteful. But yeah, surprised that, uh, that Honobas didn't get through. But overall, what an incredible experience to go through all those players and remember them all in action for yellow. What a, what a blessed, what a blessed decade it really has been of uh, of what for footballers. Hollowbass did come third in his group. Uh, did get sixteen percent. He'd be so unhappy about that. Third is nowhere for Jose Hollowbass. <laughs> Second's nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. The second round though is, is giving us some uh, some mighty tasty matches, Colin. Well, there's two that stand out. The Igalo Vidra one is uh, uh, is going to be very interesting to see which way that goes. I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Vidra will win that. I do, because where I sit in the rookery, there are people still going on about how we should never have sold him. And he's the best finisher the club's had in 20 years. And the other one that sticks out is Capu against Gomez, because I, I find that very hard to, to um, personally, to know which way to go. I, I, I'm not going to say which one I'm going to vote, but I, I, I do kind of know which one I'm going to vote. And I suspect a lot of people will. Although, yes, I'm not going to, I, I don't want to, no spoilers, but it, that's a tough one. I think it's very tough for Watford fans. They want them both to go through. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who John Eustace speaks in the next round, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but I think, I mean, but I, I do think going back and looking at just that, that little collection of players, and Vidra for me does really stick out as what an incredible striker he was. And I think, I do wonder, um, we're talking in our group chat, I do wonder if he hadn't made that decision to go to West Bromwich Albion, if he had stayed with Watford, like Troy Deeney has, what his career would look like. I don't know whether he was misadvised by his agent, whether he just got itchy feet, whether he didn't feel Watford was going to be good enough for him. He was incredible. He was absolutely unplayable. We've seen Ishmael Assar in the last couple of weeks show what he can do with with his pace. He's left the best defenders in, in Europe trailing in his wake. Vidra used to do that week in, week out in the Championship. But not only that, he would finish. Some of his goals were absolutely extraordinary. He was absolutely lethal. So I do... Whilst it's been fun looking back over these and, and, and the pleasure they've given us as Watford supporters, I do have that little nagging doubt. What is, it's a massive what-if over Matty Vidra for me. It, oh, there's still a picture of him and Arlo by Arlo's bed um, and we can't take it down because he's just so, so good, so important for us and there's so many, so many happy memories. So, yeah, tugs at the heartstrings a bit, that one. I think we, he, he might be the one that got away or the one that went away, if you like. Because the other old boy, DCW, is, you know, first year, or old boy, I say, uh, not part of this current uh, Pozzo Premier League era. You know, Fernando Forestieri against Bobby P. Could Fessy do it? I mean, Bobby P, to be fair, only just made it through. You know, he's very close run there with Tom Cleverley. The battle of the uh, of the Argentines. Um, but I, I've already cast my vote, actually, oh, for, all, okay. for, all of the, for all of these contests. And I have to say, that was one of the easiest ones for me. Oh. It was Forestieri all day long. As, as much as I respect the contributions that Bobby's made along the way, here and there, obviously some great moments, some great goals. But I think Forestieri always has a special place in my heart as a Watford fan because he was I think he really embodied uh, more than anyone in that first Pozzo season how the players who you know all these guys that turned up on deadline day from Italy and from all, all over the continent kind of embraced Watford as the club and as, as the town as well you always used to see photos of Forestieri in the in the town in the Italian restaurants in town and he would he would uh, pose on Twitter with vintage shirts and he really bought into Watford and I feel there was a nice relationship with the fans there and he, he was one of those players like Mike just said about Vidra I, I remember when we, when we first came up he 
he was in the on, in the squad, I think, for the first couple of games. Didn't get off the bench, and there was a bit of there was a bit of a cry to have him involved. And Kiki obviously didn't fancy him, and he was soon gone. But I, I would love to have seen him have a crack at the Premier League because on his day, he's so talented. He could he, he could have another one that could have done it. But yeah, he, he's certainly a favourite of mine. Also, he endeared himself to me because when he was wherever he went, when he got Sheffield Wednesday, he was there was a great photograph of him in Sheffield Wednesday kit, still wearing his Watford shin pads. <laughs> so I thought there was a little bit of Watford still in his heart, and. He, and uh, yeah. Also, he's one of those players that when he got the ball, you immediately sort of started to get out of your seat because you knew that he was going to try and do something. He wasn't a sideways, backwards sort of player. He played on the half turn, got the ball, went at defenders, went at players, tried to get past them. And yeah, he chucked himself on the ground a bit from time to time. But um... And crucially, he was a very important link in that goal, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was the one that oh, yeah. crossed it for Hogg, for Dini. But the voting is now open for the round of 16. Uh, you have until Christmas Day uh, to cast your votes. Uh, if you go to our social readers, at Wolf Podcast, on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, uh, you'll see the link and uh, make your votes. Uh, vote early. And you can vote often if you want to. Uh, but you make sure your favourite, and it is your favourite, not who is the best Watford player of the decade, it's who's the favourite Watford player of the decade. Uh, and we'll see who gets through to the quarterfinals on Boxing A podcast by Watford fans. For Watford fans, this is from the rookery end. This week, Mike, we saw the arrival of a very young, they all seem young to me these days, uh, Jao Pedro from Brazil, 18 years old. Uh, we got plenty of uh, his, his arrival at Watford on social media. And in our group, on the WhatsApp group, we were discussing about the pressure on him and the worry for him being a young player in, in the modern football. But we, we have, for a long, 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 long time, been a bit dependent and played young players as Watford. This is this is not new. No, as we we did a little bit for the for the program, looking back over the last decade, and you know the first couple of years certainly of the of this decade were jam packed full of, of us having to play play youngsters. It was players coming through the academy, and that was more through necessity than a desire to, to have hoovered up some of the best young talent from uh, all four corners of the earth. So it's absolutely uh, no surprise to us. And, you know, we were lucky enough to speak to some, a lot of those guys, Lee Hodson, Scott Loach back then when he was young, um, Adam Thompson, who, who was great to talk to. And what struck me back then was how, you know, they were all impressive individuals, lads, really, really young. And I think even, even back then, you know, we were 10 years younger then, John. <laughs> so in our early 30s, as opposed to, well, it feels like we're in our early 50s now. Um, but but um, you, 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 you're not. <laughs> Thank you, David. Merry Christmas. Um, uh, I've lost my train of thought now thinking whether I should hit you with my right or left back <laughs> that's what happens when you get older uh, yeah. um, but what you do A they were super impressive B you realise just how young they are and how difficult it is out there as a, for, for someone who is that young and green um, but they were great for us they were really impressive for us and you mentioned his, whether he's going to feel under pressure I think because Watford are in such a bad situation I think it actually plays into, into his hands it does, there's a, the pressure will be off to a degree because you know we are where we are we're needing snookers almost in terms of in terms of season it's obviously not over but it's going to take a bit of luck and a fair win so he can come in and if he doesn't sort of turn things around which he's not going to he can't do it on his own no one's going to kick up a fuss I think I think there's going to be less perhaps a little bit less pressure on him the pressure though David do you think though you know the fact that on him we talked about the social media we talked about you know the fact that where Watford are do you think actually players of his age and in football clubs like Watford do you think they feel the pressure or, or, or you know, cause of social media? 
Uh, yeah, inevitably, I think, you know, players, especially the younger generation, they will be on social media, they will look. I mean, probably counts in his favour that he can't speak English or can't read English yet. <laughs> so anything that any any comments, good or bad, that have come his way from Watford fans, he probably they've probably sort of passed him by, to be honest with you. Um, but like in terms of... There is pressure on him, and I think you know the club, have, to a certain extent, have put the pressure on him themselves with the video and the sort of fanfare and filming him getting out of the cab, filming him at the airport, filming him going to shake Isaac Success's hand when he's got his backside out on the massage table. <laughs> um, but it, it doesn't. Some people can handle pressure. Some kids can do that. I mean, uh, look no further than, than Marcus Rashford, who, who would go up against today for Manchester United, thrown in at the deep end because of an injury crisis by Louis van Gaal, what, three, four seasons ago, as a youngster, probably, it's, uh, must have been 18, 19 then, hit the ground running, never looked back. Now he's one of the best strikers in the Premier League, goal scorer for England. And, and sometimes if you get thrown in, you don't have that fear, you take your chance. Richarlison's a perfect example. He got his chance on the first day of the season against Liverpool because Pereira went down injured, came on, made a big impact, never looked back. Within 12 months, massive move off to Everton. He might be a Peñaranda who we see in fits and starts and never materialises and never comes to fruition, or he might he might make a massive impact and we need someone to score goals and it might be him. He's got the opportunity in a team struggling to score goals, but a team that is creating chances it's, it's there for him if he wants it. I think Watford, I think Watford supporters are. I think there will be less pressure. I, I, I completely agree with what, what DCW said, but I think there will be less pressure on this one simply because we've seen it before. Uh, Penuranda is the is the big one that arrived with massive fanfare, and you know I can't even. I'm afraid to say, I can't remember the team he's playing for at the moment. He's on loan. Sweden or something. It's a, is it a club that's got a, a, a mascot of a panda? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cuddly panda. So yeah. Arlo, maybe Arlo got him his move, who, who knows? <laughs> but, you know, I think as Watford supporters, we've seen it before, we've seen the great young hopes arrive and we've, been, we've heard about... It, it's not new to us and I think we're, we've, we've, we've learnt that the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I'd like to top up how many times I've said that in the podcast, <laughs> by the way, over the years. Almost as many times have I had puddings. <laughs> um, I, think, I, I can't imagine he's going to feel too much pressure. I think, if anything, his family are here. And also what I like about this move is that, uh, is that the Pozzo has put in place uh, the safety net for him by convincing Gomez to stay for another year. So Gomez's role in Jao Pedro's arrival and sort of birth into the Watford Football Club family I think will be crucial. I think Troy's got a role to play. But when you're 18, you don't feel fear. You don't feel pressure. He's moved. OK, it's cold. He's not going to like that. But he's going to be excited. He's gone from, you know, quite a small club in Brazil, not one of the big hitters, to a Premier League side. And he, he is going to get his chance. And we desperately need a player that can actually make a goal for himself. And that's what we've really been lacking. We've been, we've been relying either on kind of out, outside the box individual brilliance from Delafeo on occasion or a tap in. What we haven't had for ages is a player that can receive the ball and turn, and, and, and this kid definitely has it in the locker, but whether he has at this level, we'll have to wait and see. But I personally, it's always exciting when a youngster comes, and we've seen the videos, and we've heard that Liverpool and Barcelona tried to buy him, and they're like, oh, Watford have got him already, you know, it's going to cost us 20 million. So they're all saying, right, well, you can go to Watford, we'll wait a couple of seasons, and if he's really good, then we'll buy him off Watford for whatever. But um, So, yeah, I'm excited, and I'm sure the boy has got his family around him, he's got Gomez, I mean, it's, it's a friendly club, we all been up to the training ground it's a friendly environment it's not it's not like it was in the old days uh, where you, there were pranks and bullying and all that. it's all very kind of inclusive so hopefully uh, Pearson can get hold of him and get the best out of him I think we've got every right to be excited as well you know we quite, we're trying to protect ourselves from him not coming in and being being amazing but he, you know he has done great stuff he is young but 
players have done well. Like, you know, DCW said Rashford at United. All the, the, the history of the game is littered with with kids effectively coming in and playing really well. As football fans, we have the right to get excited. I think, but we'll temper that with not going over the top if it, if he doesn't end up scoring these 15 goals this season. It's great that he's arrived. I can't wait to see him in a yellow and black shirt or a blue one. <laughs> This week started off well for Watford. Dave Messenger, the Supporter Liaison Officer, won Supporter Liaison Officer of the Year at the uh, FSA, the Football Sport Association Awards. Uh, it was fantastic. And another win. Unfortunately, the Proud Hornets didn't uh, get the win, but they got the recognition by being nominated. But Colin, um, another great love that, that Dave puts out there uh, and continuing all the work he's done with the sensory room and, and everything that sort of goes for helping Watford fans around the world. Um, the Afterworld... Hornet Heaven uh, is uh, got a new Christmas episode out. We've had a few Christmas episodes so far that Ollie's written, uh, often meaning a, a crossover between different heavens from different clubs. But this this is uh, is a it feels a little bit more like the Christmas Carol. Well, yes, Ollie's done an absolutely brilliant job. He wrote this fantastic script, and it's based on the Christmas uh, film It's a Wonderful Life. And if you haven't seen it, basically, it's about a, a chap who says to himself one Christmas Eve because he's never been able to escape his small town that he wishes that he, and the small town is going to pieces, and he just wishes he'd never been born. And an angel comes down and shows him what would have happened if he hadn't been born. So he's taken that as an idea, and he set it in 1927, which is quite, uh, so a lot of people, a lot of regular characters are still alive, and feature actually, but in real life. So Ralph Thorpe, who was the, um, who's, who's known as the Alderman, was a very early chairman of Watford Football Club, and he, actually he invested his own money and got us in t- to become an actual league club. He then also employed Johnny Allgood, Johnny Goodall, uh, who was, uh, had Captain England and had played for Preston in, the, in their invincible season. And he, he employed him as Watford's first ever manager. And we had an invincible season in the South County. I can't remember, don't ask me that. <laughs> anyway, so, but then by 1927, everything has gone wrong. We're about to have to, what was it? What, what, reapply for, re- for re-election, yeah. So in the old days, for those younger listeners, when you were bottom of the fourth division, you didn't necessarily drop straight into non-league football. You could apply for re-election, and mostly you got it because there wasn't an obvious non-league club that was like ha- hammering on the door. Not like now, where you have automatic uh, relegation and promotion. So he's—it's Christmas Eve, and he's desperate, and he says, "It's all my fault. I didn't follow through. Something went wrong, and I just wish I—I I had never been born." <laughs> so this goes up into Hornet Heaven, where all these old players who are already dead. So they all get together in Hornet Heaven, and they decide to send Ralph. Uh, an angel to show him <laughs> what life would have been like if he hadn't been born and that is the premise and it is it's beautiful because it's very redemptive it also uh, gives all of us at the moment a bit of perspective and context on what it is to be a Watford fan when you're really struggling which we are at the moment and uh, yeah and it's inspirational so uh, it's optimistic it's a great Christmas story and he's, he's done a brilliant job writing it and uh, you did a brilliant job producing it and adding all the extra little post-production bits so, uh, so please have a listen at hornetheaven.com uh, I believe, and I'm not sure how else you can get. You can. No, it's available on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically any, anywhere you can get a podcast. Just search for Hornet Heaven, uh, and it's a beautiful uh, episode. And, and here's a little clip. On the roof of the pavilion at Cassio Road, Alderman Ralph Thorpe was clinging to the gabled dormer window from which he climbed. He was serious about throwing himself down. It would be a statement that no one could ignore. 
Other Watford fans in 1927 had booed at matches, but as an expression of dissatisfaction, it had been feeble. Suicide was the ultimate act of loyalty by a supporter. It showed how much you cared. It was far more powerful than boycotting games or ripping up your season ticket. It showed you were prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice in the hope it might bring about improvements at your club. It was selfless and noble. In the past, people had accused him of self-interest. They'd said that putting the club in his debt and himself in a position of power was a move designed to enhance his own social standing and influence. This would show them. It was five years since he'd stepped down as chairman and Watford still mattered to him. More than life itself. But it being Christmas, um, we've had a, a fantastic year, a fantastic decade of, of From the Rick and Podcast. But this year we had one particular podcast that really stood out and got some amazing reactions from you all. was when I met up with Anne Swanson. Uh, those of you who uh, haven't listened to the podcast, it came out back in July. Uh, and uh, in it, I went and visited Anne at her home in Cambridge to, to talk about the, the days gone by. And I thought, well, it's Christmas, so let's have a catch up with Anne. Uh, and so I spoke to Anne about this game. See how she's doing. Oh, Don, what a wonderful afternoon. Oh, wasn't it just? Oh, it's a wonder you didn't hear us shouting. I had my three grandchildren here and it was absolutely wonderful. It was. It's fantastic in, in so many ways. Perfect, perfect for Christmas present, really, wasn't it? It was indeed. And I'm pleased for the new manager. And I think Ben Foster needs a medal for what he did last two weeks ago, and the report in the paper makes Watford what it should be and what it was and what it now is. Yeah, you're talking about when he, he, he found someone, he, he's having someone around for Christmas dinner, is that the one? It was in the paper, and yeah. I was so proud to be a Watford supporter and to think, wouldn't Graham Taylor have been proud? He would have been, absolutely. Of, of that performance and, and of, of Ben him, him, himself. How, how have you been keeping then, Anne? I'm doing well, thank you. Yes, I'm back to my old self. Um, I've got to, you know, take it easy, but yes, I'm doing well. And I watch Watford's results, and do you remember we used to have our Christmas party about now? I was going to ask you about those classic Christmas parties. Yes, we've been getting ready, and all the players would be there, and everybody had a great time, didn't they? Yeah, they're a wonderful time. Do you, do you remember? Um, like, you know, you think we asked you before about them, like how the the players were reluctant, but then they they got quite competitive, didn't they? Oh, they were. Yes, they thought it was wonderful, and uh, you know, it was a fight to see which team won. <laughs> and then all the kids wanted to be on certain tables, and oh dear, it was a nightmare, but wonderful. Yeah, and I know seeing the club did lots of events for the the current junior Hornets this week, and they got to meet the players like we used to do when we were a bit younger. But you've been you've you come back to the club a couple of times, haven't you? Last couple of months, didn't you come to some of the golden memories um, sessions? Oh, I've been to the to those, yes, mm. and I was very honoured to be asked to go. But I haven't been to a match. I watch from home and cheer them on and. All my neighbours know when Watford are playing. <laughs> I bet they do. Have you yes. got Have you got a good Christmas plan then? I'm coming down to Watford. 
Excellent. I'm going to the sun, so that'll be good. And you're happy with the new manager? Oh, yes. I'm glad they've got an, should I not say it, an English-speaking manager. Mm. And uh, the performance on the pitch today showed that they were willing to to fight for him. Who was, who was your man of the match then today? Ben Foster. I thought he did exceptionally well. I think Deeney acted his part as captain well. I thought they all played well. What do you think of, of, of um, a player like Will Hughes, you know, a young oh, English player? I like player. Will Hughes. I thought he did all right. I quite like the look of the new fellow star, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very John Barnes-esque, isn't he, running down the wing like that? Yes. Now, it was a wonderful afternoon, and I just hope that they can now go on, get three points, six points, nine points, and we'll be all right. Oh, we will be. And it's all, it's all there to, to sort of build on from, isn't it? And we it should is. Do right, and yeah. when the players play like they played today, I can't see them not getting points. The big difference from the last few games. Yeah, it's been growing ever since Nigel and um, ever since Kike left. It's been growing and and being uh, yeah much more positive, much more attacking. Shouldn't we have won against Liverpool? They had those chances that they didn't take. Oh, uh, take those chances, and if Liverpool don't have Mo Salah, we we would have got points on that game, no no doubt. That's right. Still very, very proud to call myself a Watford supporter. Oh, you're more than a supporter, Anne. You're, you're an absolute Watford legend. Well, John, you know me better than a lot of them <laughs> do. But I do enjoy your podcast, and I still think of Watford, you know, was a big part of my life. Yeah. No, I mean, it was wonderful, um, the message I sent on to you from everybody who listened to the interview that, that I did with you. And Oh, I was proud. And my kids go to school, the grandchildren, and say, my grandma's a legend at Watford, you know. <laughs> They're very right. proud of me, so that makes me proud too. Well, it's wonderful, been wonderful to sort of get back in contact with you. Um, yes. And we, we hope, hope we can do something special next year. Good. Look forward to it, John. Okay. And I wish you and all the podcast people a very, very happy Christmas. The new manager and the team a happy, happy new year. Thank you very much, Anne. Okay, take care, John. And you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Come on, you Orns. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. Anne Swanson there. Lovely to speak to her. Uh, just in the run to Christmas. Uh, again, thank you for everyone who's listened and sending your, your messages to Anne. I have passed them all on to her. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's lovely to have Anne back in the Watford fold. Uh, DCW. We head to a Boxing Day game live on Amazon Prime. So uh, if anyone's on Amazon Prime, it is available on your phone. So if you are stuck at a family event, uh, you can sit and watch the Glory Hornets uh, at Bramall Lane. Uh, then we come back for a game against Aston Villa, as you already mentioned. And we start the new year with Wolverhampton Wanderers at home. It's going to be important, as you've said. Do we just need to keep going or is there, is there more that we... We'll need to do in those games, particularly those games, a bit more something from this team. They're all different challenges, different teams. You know, they've all got dangerous players. Sheffield United is a really, really tough game. They are an excellent team. I mean, uh, you know, uh, before we recorded last night, they were on Saturday. They were they were fifth, I think. You know, not far off the Champions League, and that might change with results today. But 
they're a brilliant team. Chris Wilder's done an amazing job with them, and they are going to be so difficult for us to get anything from. I, I, you know, take a point now if you give it to me, absolutely. Um, but we just got to go in, in with confidence, and I think we will. We, we will. We are confident. We will. You know, we'll another game, another step forward. The other two, as I said, I think the, the three, the Villa one is, is the absolutely crucial one. Like if we beat them, we drag them back closer towards us. We get closer to, to that magic 17th spot. Uh, we, we know all about Wolves, don't we? From the last last <laughs> season, we've had our matches with them. Uh, again, on but on there, you know, you, you can get something from them. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, they flatter to deceive, but they could easily beat easily beat us two three nil. So look, they're they're all tough games. Every game's tough. We're bottom of the league. We are still on paper the worst team in this division. <laughs> so look at any game, you have to say it's going to be tough. But um, the big, actually, the big challenge for for me on a personal level. Over, over this festive period is going to be watching the Sheffield United match. I'm sure it will be the same for many people. This, you know, this novelty now, we've got the option of an away game on Boxing Day to watch it. Um, so I'm going around my, um, my girlfriend's family's house the first Christmas I will have spent with them. Um, so obviously there's a lot, you know, they're very excited to have me, I'm sure. But I've got, <laughs> I've got to try and find a way of watching the game. But she came with me today yeah. to the game, her first ever football match. Um, and you know we've won two nil. Maybe it's a good luck charm. So maybe if I get the whole family around watching, watching now, we'll be okay. You can just see her like after being one game, she's going, "Oh, don't like what Will Hughes not playing as well as last week." She's got it. She's got the bug, I reckon. But thank you very much for listening. We hope you have a very merry Christmas, and uh, Santa Claus brings you all that you desire. Um, that you can continue to vote up to Christmas Day and afterwards uh, on our Watford Player of the Decade. Uh, look out for that on our social medias at Watford Podcast Instagram. Twitter and Facebook. Thank you very much, Michael. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. And thank you to everyone for listening uh, as we approach the end of the decade. Thank you for listening for the last 10 years. It's been absolutely uh, fantastic. And what a great way to end on a massive, massive high. Well done, Watford. Thanks for listening. Come on, you moments. Yes. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, thank you, DCW. Merry Christmas. And to see us out before this last Christmas podcast, a come on you, a merry come on you horns for Marlowe.